1: every messianic prophecy the prophecies about the messiah from genesis 3 all the way down to the end of the old testament they're all pointing to jesus if you have an open mind and open heart you will see like you, you you've been missing this all along
0: Last week, you heard the personal faith story of Olivier Melnick, a Jewish man who has come to believe in Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah. In a moment, the story becomes even more personal as Olivier tells the story of leading his Jewish parents to the Lord. Stay tuned to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Before we turn to the interview, though, thank you for listening and showing your support by learning about the Far East Broadcasting Company at febc.org. On behalf of FEBC, Merry Christmas to our listeners and we look forward to the next couple of weeks as we celebrate Christmas together. Our guest, Olivier Melnick, is the Southwest Regional Director and Training Director at Chosen People Ministries. If you missed his personal testimony last time, go to firstpersoninterview.com and listen from the archive. The reason I asked Olivier to come back this week is that he mentioned his parents accepting Jesus last time and I wanted to hear the full story. Olivier, welcome back to First Person. I'm glad that we have this extra opportunity here to tell
1: what I think has got to be a powerful story. Well, thanks for having me again. This, uh, this, This was a joy doing the show with you. I'm glad to be back. All right.
0: For the listeners who were not with us last week, we told a little bit of your story of coming to faith in Christ, and we talked about your ministry with Chosen People Ministry. That's all in the program notes and the archive. The listeners can go to the archive and listen to that first interview. But this week, uh, a bit of a surprise, because when we spoke last week, you you brought up the fact that uh, your parents were not believers in Jesus Christ until. and i want to I want to tell that story here if you don't mind. So you start tell me your background with them, and uh, let's just tell that story.
1: Well, uh, I think I mentioned that uh, you know last week I was born in France in fifty nine uh, Both my parents were Jewish. Uh, my dad claimed his whole life that he was an atheist. And my mother uh, basically did not believe in God. If she ever did, did not believe in God because of what happened to her. See, what uh, I didn't tell the story. So let me let me let me tell you today. Okay. Uh, uh, my, my my mother was uh, 15 in the house that uh, she lived in until a few years ago in Paris where uh, her father was hiding in a cellar mm. of the house uh during the war uh, the during second the world war german
0: and, occupation of france
1: the german occupation it was 1941 or 42 i was mixed the two years i think it was 41 uh, and uh he, I uh, was hiding in a cellar because he was Jewish. He uh, and he, he didn't have the proper paper. He was not illegally uh, in in uh, in France, but he was a foreign Jew. Who had married my uh, my grandmother, and he was in the process of getting his proper papers. He didn't have them yet. So a neighbor uh, in the building called the Gestapo and said, "We have a Jew in the building oh, hiding."
0: No. Oh goodness!
1: So one evening the Gestapo came, knocked on my grandmother's door, uh, my mother at the time was 15 and her father was at the time hiding downstairs in the cellar in the, where they put the coal and then, you know, in the, in the old buildings mm-hmm. and uh, the Gestapo said we know your husband is around here so he needs to come with us for a, a few questions and and she lied, my grandmother, she said no he's not here I don't know where he is, he left uh, I, I, I don't know where he is and um, they said we'll come back tomorrow morning to get him and if he's not available to come with us we'll take you and your daughter Ooh. so they left and Uh, she signaled her husband who came back upstairs and she explained the story to him they came to they came for you somehow they know you're here and he said don't worry i'll go hide somewhere else i'll let you know where i find a safe place and you can all come with me she said well the problem is that they said if you're not here tomorrow morning they take me and evelyn evelyn's my mother Mm -hmm. and they this she said so that the point he said okay fine i'll go with them next morning they came he went with them and uh he died in auschwitz oh goodness wow that's what that the last time my mother saw her father was when the gestapo came to get him and that was it oh. and she didn't find out until later in the 70s that uh officially that he died in auschwitz and there was his name on it, one of those very thorough lists kept by the german hmm. uh, the, the german uh, uh government so uh she was taken to the south of france to hide on a farm uh, and, Your mother uh, was taken.
0: Ex- now, how was, how was that connection made? I mean, who was doing such a
1: thing? Uh, well, there they were ways during the war for people to find people to take them to take them to a different country. You know, you pay them some money, it would take you to Switzerland. Or So my grandmother found through a connection that I'm not aware of uh, somebody to take my mother and two of her cousins on that farm. And they stayed there for two years hiding on a farm. Uh, as uh, extra kids in that family of, of farmers, who by the way, those farmers in 2013 became Yad Vashem's righteous gentiles. They oh. are on the wall. At, well, Yad Vashem is, is that right? Uh, r- wow. Rescuers wow. of my mother and wow. her, and her two cousins. Okay. And so that's the back the backdrop. Okay.
0: I I have to ask though about your grandmother. She wasn't um, she wasn't taken by the authorities.
1: No, it was at the early stage of the war in 1941, where they were not yet taking all the Jews. They were taking those who did not have the proper papers. Okay. Uh, and and my 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 grandfather was from Poland, and and he he did not he, he was not illegal, but he did not have what France required. And then he became anybody remotely Jewish, you're you're gone. Got it.
0: Okay. So your mother is on this farm in the south of France with her cousins, mm-hmm. basically right. hiding.
1: Basically hiding, she actually. Uh, there, I have pictures of her in a uh, in a white gown, uh, dressed as a Catholic girl doing a communion when she was a teenager mm. to hide from the Germans. Mm. There, there is a video on my YouTube channel called Evelyn Returns to Poe P A U, and that is a French TV segment explaining the story as she reconnected with the two brothers seventy years later.
0: Okay, good. We'll it's put a, a we'll put a link to that in our program notes. Good.
1: Fast forward to. Me being born and uh, coming to the Lord uh, in 1983, um, I started sharing with my parents, sharing the gospel with them, and uh, uh, didn't go very well, you know, Jewish parents. Uh, you have to understand that in France, if you claim anything Christian, quote, end quote, uh, the French people will think you're speaking about Catholics. Of course, yes. Because uh, 80% of of, of of France is Catholic and so when I talked about Christ or church or cross it's all Catholic and they didn't have the best view of uh of the Catholic Church and because of many things that were done against the Jews so they did not understand well I kept praying for my parents for 28 years. I argued with my dad. Uh, Every time I would try to witness... My my mother was a very simple woman. I mean, she didn't really finish school for reasons that make sense. Mm -hmm. She was a teenager uh, that had to skip school and be... Hiding on a farm during the war. So she was a simple woman. Uh, I tried to share the gospel with her. And somehow every time I tried, when I was in France, my dad would come in the room and ask the most uh, irrelevant question about something else. And then my mother's mind would go into it and she, it, it was over. I could never change make, the subject. Yeah. I could never make any progress. The enemy was really at work, I think. And, uh, about 10 years ago, my dad starting to get really sick uh, with cancer, uh, throat cancer and, uh, uh, I was called to uh, basically in, in March of uh, ten years ago. It would be like 2011, I think. Um, I was called to come back by by his sister saying, "You need to come back. I think your dad is not going to make it." So I flew back uh, to France, and um, both my kids and my wife wrote letters to Papi, which is grandpa in French. Mm-hmm. I get there and um, I stay at the house where my mother grew up, where she saw her dad being taken, same house. Uh, Interesting, you know, a little anecdote here. My mother was never in her entire life, never able to go to the cellar, which became a storage unit for us. Hmm. You know, like like an attic or a garage. Oh, because
0: of the thoughts it brought, yeah.
1: She could never, she always sent my dad or us, can you go get this in the cellar? In 92 years of her life, she could never go once in that cellar. She never went down. Wow. She was so scarred by, for good reasons, by what happened to her father, uh, you know, in the Gestapo. Uh, So uh, I go to see my dad when I arrive in Paris and uh, my mother um, and I come back to the house and I sit in the living room with her and I start telling her, I said, listen, mom, you know, dad's not going to make it. And they've been married at this point for 63 years. And she goes, I know. And she's crying. And I go, you know, I've told you before, and I think now is a good time to, 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 to tell you again. Man is always going to disappoint you. That includes that. That includes me, anybody. But the one who will never disappoint you because he's true to what he says is God. And then she looks at me. And she goes, you're probably right. And I go, really? <laughs> and then and she goes but you want me to believe in God and you want me to believe in the God that let my father die in Auschwitz. This is one of the most, uh, most common Jewish, uh, question slash rejection or, you know, uh, arguments is why would I trust the God who let 6 million die? And if you have one or more in your family, it's even more personal. So this, this was a tough question, of course. And I, I, I got to tell you, without a doubt in my mind, the next explanation that came out of my mouth was the Holy Spirit speaking through me because I could have never come up with it. I look at my mom and I said, Mom, uh, our son's name is Julien. I said, Mom, at the time he lived with us, Mom, if Julien was to come to the house uh, in the evening with two police officers and they said, Mr. Melnick, your son was caught running two red lights and one stop. Uh, one-stop sign. So we, we, we have a citation for $1,500 that you need to pay right now. I would look at the police officers. I would say, excuse me, he's 21 years old. He's got a license. He knows the law. He broke the law. He is responsible. Why do you want me to be responsible for him? And I told my mom, I said, mom, why do you hold God responsible for what men did to other men? Mm. And for some reason, don't ask me why. She looked at me and she said, you're right. It's not his fault. So at that point, I said, okay, well, then you really need to trust Yeshua, to trust Jesus. And, and, you know, it's a simple prayer. You don't have to give away anything. You don't have to do anything. You just trust that what he did on the cross for you and for me is real. And that, that makes you a child of God. And so we prayed.
0: And we'll continue this story with Olivier Melnick of Chosen People Ministries coming up on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon. The Far East Broadcasting Company partners with First Person because we celebrate the stories of people everywhere who have given their lives to Christ and serve Him. Our broadcasters in 50 countries of the world hear stories every day of people whose lives are transformed by the gospel and who have faithfully been taught God's Word In addition to First Person, I'm pleased that Wayne and I host a podcast, and we invite you to join us. Listen to Until All Have Heard at febc.org. That's febc.org. My guest is Olivier Melnick, and Olivier is telling us a powerful and personal story of faith. We learned about his coming to faith in Christ last week. If you missed that, it's in the archive, but this week he's telling us a story of his parents' coming to faith in christ and it's just so powerful when we left off a moment ago olivier your parent your mother said you're right about jesus pick up the story
1: well so to, to my i mean i was shocked okay you have to understand 28 years of prayers and arguments i thought for sure I, and i mean i was praying lord please send people their way i mean i live in the states on the west coast and they live in paris i lived they both past now uh uh Lord, please send somebody to witness to them. It's not going to be me. You know, or I'm their son. They're not going to listen to me. So I was, I was okay with that. Uh, somehow the lord had different plan he had me witness to my mother she ended up praying with me to receive uh jesus uh that morning that saturday morning uh at our house and uh, she's and 92 years old at the time she was 87 87 okay <laughs> still yeah, 87 and uh actually 85 because my dad was 87 okay they're two right. two years apart yeah sorry small detail just to be so anyway, accurate sure so Right. Exactly. So, uh, I tell my mom, okay, this afternoon, we're going to go, uh, we're going to go see dad. We went, that's why I was there. So we went every day and my whole family is Jewish. Uh, my three nephews, I have one sister, my three nephews and nieces are, um, very religious. You would consider them by American standards, uh, as modern Orthodox, I would say. And so they were, would go to grandpa's room in the hospital and pray and open their prayer books and recite prayers all the time. They know what I believe. We don't argue. They don't believe yet. But I, I, as I'm going with my mom after lunch, hours after I led to the Lord, I'm praying in the car. I'm going, Lord, please make it so that when I get there, none of my family is there so I can have a, an alone mm-hmm. time with dad mm-hmm. because this is it. This is it. And. Uh, funny story we get to the hospital very very busy place you know it's there's very little parking in france so i i'm telling my mom say mom i'm gonna ask jesus to find us a spot in front of the hospital uh,
0: one of those prayers sure we've one all prayed that prayer prayers. yeah
1: <laughs> w- which i don't really do very often and sure enough we got a spot right in front and i told her mom don't get used to it but it's good to ask god for things like this because sometimes he will deliver and so we park the car and we go upstairs and and thank you, Lord. My dad is in his bed. Nobody's there. So we get in the room. I sit next to him and I start talking to him. I said, dad, uh, I have letters that uh, JD and Claire wrote and Ellen, my wife, also wrote. And they want to, can I read them to you? Uh because they couldn't come so he he nods because at this point he cannot even talk Mm -hmm. maybe a word or two and uh, i said by the way dad i want you to know this morning mom and i prayed and she invited jesus in her heart she she said okay it's time for me to make that move she believes that jesus is the messiah and that was the most important move she made in her life the biggest decision so we'll never be separated death will never separate us Amen. wow this is also something that you need to think about because you, very soon you'll be make, meeting your maker and you do not want to be on the wrong side. So he's looking at me, nothing. I said, can I read the letters? Sure. So I read the letters and very short letters from my both my kids being basically saying, please, papi, grandpa in French, listen to dad, listen to what he has to say about Jesus and about God. You don't want to be separated. A very short a plea with him on... Please one more time consider Jesus in their own words. I read my daughter. I read my son. And then I read my wife's letter, who's a little more uh, polished about some memory she has with my dad. And then I said, so dad, you know, mom prayed this morning. What keeps you from praying? Would you, would you like to invite Yeshua in your heart? And he looks at me and he nods, yes. And I mean, I, I, I cried a lot that day so he couldn't talk so i said dad you're gonna hold my finger and every time you agree with me you're just gonna squeeze and that will mean yes if you don't squeeze that means you don't agree and i said lord i'm a sinner and he squeezed i'm separated from you and he squeezed i cannot do anything to save myself and he squeezed i agree that your son yeshua is the messiah and he squeezed and on and on and on and then all the way through the through the the sinner's prayer or whatever prayer we prayed. Uh, And at the end, as a good spiritual son that I was, I look at him and I said, did you pray this because you meant it or did you just wanted to brush me off? (laughs) The the last thing you should say as somebody comes to the Lord (laughs) and he looks at me and he gathers all the breath he could take. And in French, he looks at me and he goes twice, je crois. Je crois, which means I believe, I believe. Oh. Oh. And I, the same day, within five hours, and at 11 or 12 days later, my dad was reunited with the Messiah, with with God. And, and uh, you know, he's been with the Lord since then. But I always think, you know what, well, dad, you were so stubborn until 10 days before you passed. And now you have a ministry because it's an encouraging ministry to me to tell people, don't stop praying for your loved ones. Yeah. You never know when God yeah. is going to make this yeah. happen. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged.
0: Yeah, I, I want to. We have a few more minutes. And I want to talk more about that, but I I need a moment to recover here, Olivia. <laughs> I, I need a moment because the story you have just told me. I mean, you can tell. I mean, there are tears in my eyes right now. This is this is so oh, yeah. powerful. And the fact of the matter is, we all have people in our life that we're concerned about, but maybe we're not bold enough to share Christ. Maybe we are. I don't know. But just talk to us. Help us uh, give us the courage we need to to speak up. And I mean, this is this is news too important to keep from anyone,
1: right? Well, this is you know the, I tell people all the time. You know I tell people what would have what would happen to you if the person who was bold enough and cared enough to tell you about Jesus had said. No, I'm not going to bother. I don't want to ruin our friendship. I don't want to ruin our family. I don't want to. I don't want to lose another friend or, or get fired. Or what would happen? You would be destined to the lack of fire for all eternity. But somebody took the time and said, "I care about this person. I want them to be spending eternity on the right side in, in God's presence." And so. There's nothing more important, you know, and, and people, all you can do is, is share the news. You, you can't shove it down somebody's throat. Right. You cannot save people. Yeah, you that's can only true. lead right. them to salvation. Yeah,
0: exactly right. All right. All right. Now, there's another person listening. I have no doubt who has yet to make that decision, who has yet to put their faith in Christ. Let's take a few minutes and speak to that person.
1: For me, as a Jew who had not been exposed to the to the Bible at all, uh i mean if if we're speaking of somebody who's jewish and who has really a lot of of of, of uh they don't they they, they don't want to, to to mess with it i would say start with the jewish bible and start looking for the redeemer the messiah in the jewish bible and it looked it, 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 it that that every messianic prophecy the prophecies about the messiah from genesis 3 all the way down to the end of the old testament they're all pointing to jesus yes, undeniable. if you have an open if you have an open mind and an open heart you will see like you you're, you've been missing this all along. and it works for Jews and Gentiles, yes, but I like it for Jewish people because it's our Bible. it's our Jewish Bible. And the messianic prophecies are undeniable.
0: Yeah. take us to scripture. help us help us understand the decision that we need to make.
1: Well, the, the, what, the way I like to look at it, and you know, I currently teach that, that Bible study on Monday nights on Zoom. I do a a messianic prophecy study every Monday nights. The way I look at it is I take the Bible, the Jewish Bible in the order of the Jewish Bible, not the Old Testament. Same books, different order. And I, Paint a picture. I'm an artist. I, I like. I like to paint.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, uh, I, I take a picture and I say, "We have a blank canvas." And in Genesis 3:15, we hear about a human being, the seed of the woman, and that's the first messianic prophecy. Then down. As we continue in, 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 later in Genesis, we find out that he's from the tribe of a- the, 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 the family of Abraham. Then in Genesis 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until the one to whom it belongs, which is another name of the Messiah, so Shiloh in Hebrew. Uh, and we find out that the Messiah is going to come in the future. It'll be from the tribe of Judah. And then, so we go on and on. He will be a prophet like Moses, Deuteronomy 18. And then, so as you, Go through the prophecies of 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 the Jewish Bible. You you get more and more detail, uh, 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 additional revelation about the the person of the Messiah. By the time you're done with the Jewish Bible, you have a crisp four four um, uh, K HD picture <laughs> in color of only one person, Yeshua of Nazareth. Yeah. And ask God to open your eyes as you do that. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. And it's uh, but you got to take the time to look for those. You can. And just say i mean some people uh some people pray and then they, they have a revelation they have a, a, a they say well i know that jesus is right i didn't even read a lot of i just knew it happened but it happens in different ways but if you want to get uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding you know uh, you look at the uh, messianic prophecies uh, isaiah 53 speaks of his resur- of his um crucifixion in in ways that are very, very graphic in that actually crucifixion did not even exist 700 years prior. I mean, it was 700 years before crucifixion would even exist.
0: Isaiah 53 is what uh, the Lord used in my teenage life to open my eyes. Ah, So I I think very highly of that. All right. Olivier, thank you for telling us this story today. It's been very powerful to hear and uh, challenging to us to reach out into other people's lives as well. Thank you, brother.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Shalom. And I thank you for listening to part two of our conversation with Olivier Melnick of Chosen People Ministries. If you joined us late, please know that you'll find part one of his testimony in the archive from last week at firstpersoninterview.com. Once again, thank you for your support by visiting the Far East Broadcasting Company at febc.org. Among other information, we have a podcast there called Until All Have Heard, and you can listen right there on the website. Go to febc.org. Next week, Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth of Revive Our Hearts will join us to talk about the first songs of Christmas. I hope you'll join us as well as two weeks from now when Mike Kellogg will have a Christmas Day reading in a special edition of First Person. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person.